everyone. Uh, welcome to the latest installation of the Rosenfeld Review podcast. I'm your uh, friendly host, Lou Rosenfeld, and today I'm joined by Jeff Susna. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lou. How are you? I'm great. It's good to have you on the show. Jeff, uh, you may know a little bit about, especially if you're uh, someone who has spent some time on the uh, the um, in, on the dev side, maybe you know something about DevOps, and uh, I'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, Jeff is someone who has um, been around a long time like me. I can say that because I'm, I'm also an old guy. Uh, <laughs> 30 years or so of experience in software development and QA and operations. And um, author of uh, an O'Reilly book that came out in 2015 called Designing Delivery, Rethinking IT in the Digital Service Economy. I'll get to why we're talking in a moment, but I just wanted to say something about your book, Jeff. Um, I picked it up because I wanted to look a little more deeply into uh, DevOps, and you know, it's an O'Reilly book, and I was expecting something you know more more technical and maybe more tactical. Tactical, and instead, what I got was a, a book that made me feel like I did. Um, way back when, in about 1993 or two, when I was a doctoral student at the University of Michigan, and I took a course on complex adaptive systems with um, uh, the one and only John Holland. Wow. And uh, John Holland is uh, the guy who's the first guy to get a, a person to get a PhD in computer science in the U.S., and and, and uh, is one of the godfathers of, of complex adaptive systems and, and invented genetic algorithms. And in the 50s and maybe it was in the 90s, we were, trying to, we were finally figuring out what those were and how to use them. Uh, I felt a bit overwhelmed, and he was a really nice guy, and he, he, he still let me pass his course. I, I, still, I was a bit overwhelmed. But, you know, your, your book really kind of ranges in, in some similar ways as, as John's book did and his thinking did. I mean, you're... You know, here I'm thinking about DevOps, and, and you're getting into cybernetics and post-industrialism and, and uh, promise theory and, and words that I, I'm not even sure I can pronounce, like autopoiesis. Did I, did I come close? You did very well. Thank you very much. So, um, uh, you know, given that introduction, what would you say is the, the, the primary takeaway or even your primary goal for having written the book? Well, it um, it very much reflects my background. As you said, I've been around for a long time. Um, I've done a lot of software development. I've done a lot of QA. I've done a lot of operations. Um, but I've also been very strongly influenced by design thinking. Um, I was a liberal arts student at a very uh, interdisciplinary, cross-functional college back in the 80s. Um, and I'm one of what I think they're calling these days restless multidisciplinarians or something like that. Um, I have this obsession with sort of putting things together that don't necessarily go together in, a, in, in typical thinking. Um, the reason for that is I think that that's kind of the nature of where we are now. If you look at digital business and the idea that every business is becoming a digital business. I mean, it's funny, um, in a city here in the Twin Cities, uh, there was a water boiling alert that was sent out recently. And the reason was that the water pressure in the local water system had dropped too low and they blamed it on a software error. 
Um, so even our drinking water is connected to software now. So we, we live in this world where kind of things are being connected to each other in ways that they didn't used to. Um, if you go back to John Holland and, and the work on complex adaptive systems, the interesting things about complex systems um, is that things have much more fluid connections to each other. So things like water and alert systems and software all start to connect. So it's my belief that we have to start doing that in our businesses as well. Um, you know, we have to connect product and design to development and operations. And what the book was really about was, I guess you could call it um, both a conceptual model and a method for how do you do that. Um, and so you mentioned this strange thing called promise theory, which is really just a way of modeling how do the components and complex systems interact with each other and how can you uh, think about that and how can you operate that in a useful way? Well, what I like about that uh, and what I like about the, the way um, brains like yours work, uh, you're really looking at synthesis. Like you're, you're looking at synthesis in some maybe unexpected places, but there's a lot of things that have kind of cooked together in designing delivery. And uh, I know I'm going to have to take at least a couple more passes at it, um, but the fact that you're putting things together uh, in new ways, things that may be unexpected, that may not be obvious in terms of the relationships to each other, uh, is really exciting. And, and I wanted to, to use that as a bridge to talking about something that I'm trying to learn about and uh, I'm really interested in, which is design ops. So uh, that's, that's why we're talking. Uh, I, I've been thinking about um, ways to get design and research and even other areas like decision making to scale across silos and large organizations for a few years now. And I kind of backed into an area of scaling design uh, uh, that other people already seem to be looking at quite a bit in, our, in the UX community. Uh, I've been talking a lot, especially with uh, Dave Maloof, and he had already come up with a framing uh, for this area called Design Ops that was building on DevOps. Uh, and it seemed to make sense to me, not knowing too much about DevOps, admittedly. And uh, he, he's been doing some writing uh, in Medium, and, and you've responded by saying, let's hold on and step back a moment before we adopt this framing. DevOps is not ops for developers. It's doing some synthesis, as you're saying, between uh, development and operations. You know, so there's, a, there's you know, some question of whether the framing that we're looking at with design ops is even the right one in the first place. So I thought maybe we could even do a little bit of problem solving together and maybe mm -hmm. the framing is is, is a, the right one, we're just not understanding it properly, or there's, there's a different framing you might help with. So l let's look at the challenge here. Uh, you've got organizations uh, that are so large uh, that there's a lack of coordination, and yet in, uh, among the various people involved with designing products and services and researching them and so forth. And uh, there's also an increased demand for people to do the work. And so many designers today are doing something very different than they might have been doing five or ten years ago. Uh, back then, they were expert designers and researchers. And today, they are creating 
systems and processes, procedures, assets, guidance, training, education, and even principles to help other people do that work. Mm -hmm. And that's really important in scaling up the ability for organizations to do good work and, and, and be more efficient and not reinvent the wheel. So I would have thought of that as, as some sort of operations to support designers, whether you're talking about uh, pattern libraries or on the research side, the ability to uh, have a, a pool of uh, subjects for user studies already in place. Uh, and other procedures and, and approaches to help people do this at scale more efficiently. Um, maybe we need to be thinking about something a little different in terms of how we frame it. Well, uh, let me see where to even start because uh, there's a lot in what you just said and I think a lot to tease out here. Um, so, you've it's interesting because when I first heard the phrase design ops, I got very excited. Um, and to be honest, I misunderstood what it was. Um, I spend a lot of time talking about going beyond DevOps. And to start with, what is DevOps? You're right. DevOps is about putting development and operations together. And it's about understanding the fact that when we deliver software as service, um, that functionality and operability are both part of the user experience. You know, if you go to a and, restaurant, and they're owned by the same people, right? That was well, not necessarily. Not well, they're owned by the same organization. I mean, it used to not be right. that we build software and then you would sell it to a customer, and the customer would operate it for themselves. Right. Now we are operating software for our customers. So from that perspective, yes. It's all part of the same organization. Dev and ops don't necessarily have to report to the same VP even. Um, so I have spent a lot of time talking about going beyond DevOps, that we need to think about more than just Dev and ops, that we need to think about customer support, we need to think about product management, we need to think about design as part of running a responsive digital business. So when I first heard design ops, I got really excited and I was like, oh yes, someone else is thinking the same thing. They're thinking about putting design and operations together. And it turned out um, that they were really trying to solve a particular nut, which is, as you put it, how do you quote unquote operationalize design and how do you scale design? Um, so on the one hand, we're talking about different things. On the other hand, I think there's still an opportunity for a really interesting cross-pollination here because one of the things that DevOps is trying to address is the issue of scalability. And when we come back to our old friend complex systems, they force us to take a different approach to scaling things. Um, and it's interesting when you talk about things like design systems and sort of systematizing the design process so that you can have sort of clarity and unity and a certain amount of standardization across a large organization. You have to be very, very careful um, because when you try and lay sort of a traditional complicated system, industrial, machine-oriented let's figure out how to structure all the pieces together approach on top of a complex system you tend to create things that are very brittle 
this is a problem that the agile software development world is struggling with, is how do we scale? Um, and the kinds of solutions that work um, to scale complex systems are, are very different. Um, you have to find a way to combine some sort of shared understanding and shared purpose um, with local autonomy and the ability to take action independently. Um, and there are interesting things happening that are in that arena. If you look at what Spotify does with their ideas of, of uh, tribes and chapters and guilds, it's a way of trying to crack that nut. Um, one book that I'm currently very enamored of is uh, Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal, um, which ostensibly is about how the military figured out how to be very, very agile um, with, while maintaining a shared mission. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also ostensibly about how you might apply that to running a business. But when I read it, I went, oh, this is how you scale agile. This is how you scale DevOps. This is how you scale design. Um, so there's, I, I think there's an opportunity for some really interesting kind of shared inquiry um, with this kind of background of scaling complexity. Um, and I think the, the work that Mark Burgess did on promise theory, the work that John Holland did um, that you studied is all really, really relevant. Um, and, and one of the things that DevOps does in order to scale is that you sort of turn the organization on its side. Um, and there's this model of what's called the proverbial two pizza team, which is something that came from Jeff Bezos at Amazon, which is the idea that any team should be small enough to feed with two pizzas. The idea is that you have a cross-functional unit, product design, development, QA ops, that's capable of executing everything it needs to do in order to help the business move forward. Um, so I think it would be really interesting to um, think about, okay, how do we take the work that the design ops community is trying to do of how do we scale design as a practice mm -hmm. and the work that DevOps and other communities are doing in terms of how do we scale this combination of shared purpose and common mission with agility which relies on local autonomy. Well, okay, so as you're describing this, I'm thinking about all the things that we could consider that ostensibly help with scale. Um, there are, as I said before, there are there certainly are teams that are, are constructed in certain ways, and you just mentioned a few models. Uh, there are uh, there may be documents, uh, procedures, there may be you know design assets, there may be things like uh, principles that are uh, guide and, and help unify. Uh, as I think about those things and what you were saying a moment ago, I keep coming back to something that, gosh, I, I think about at least once a week, and that's Stuart Brand's pace layering model. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, well, vaguely. Yeah, Brand is uh, you know from the Whole Earth Catalog and the Long right. Foundation, and uh, he um, has a model that looks at sort of layers like an onion, uh, onion layers, and uh, the ones that are kind of at the core are 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 very uh, immovable and 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 unchanging, like uh, laws of physics, 
And at the very uh, outer layers, you get things that are highly dynamic, like uh, fashion. And that model can be applied in a lot of contexts. And I wonder if there's a, a way to do that here, where things like guiding principles may be very stable and not subject to change. And uh, you can sort out some of the things we were just describing together, other types of things that help scale, to, to be much more, you know, from kind of stable to dynamic. So what would be things that are highly subject to change, like, um, I don't know, um, maybe team composition. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of all the variety we've been talking about here and all the things that could work. And, and that may just be one possibility for bringing a little bit of order to a conversation like this. Yeah, I think for me, we're in a particular period where we're understanding what the domain is as much as we're trying to solve for the domain. Um, you know, like I'm not sure right now we even know what the stable guiding principles should be. Um, I think they're changing. You know, at the beginning of my book, um, and I talk about this shift from industrialism to post-industrialism. Um, and I draw that information from a book I read called The Coming of Post-Industrial Society, which a guy named Daniel Bell wrote in the 1970s. And it was really the first time that this word post-industrial society was used. And it's pretty amazing how well he predicted where we are now 40 years ago. Um, the reason I mention it is one of the more provocative things that he said that took me a while to wrap my head around was that um, it used to be that enterprises were relatively conservative creatures, that they were about trying to do the same thing, you know, better, faster, cheaper, more. Um, but now in this new world, their essence is about the ability to change. And I thought about that and I was like, well, we don't typically think about big companies as being about how do you change more continuously. Um, but it strikes me that that may be one of these new guiding principles that we're really just discovering. Um, so I think as much as anything, you know, what we're doing now is kind of asking questions about, well, you know, what does it even mean to be a company? Um, you know, if you read the, the work of Esko Kilpie, who's this very, very um, intriguing uh, Finnish, uh, he's a student of economics, among other things. He talks a lot about complex systems. Um, but one of the things he's questioning is the very existence of the corporation, mm -hmm. something that we know and love as this sort of big thing with thousands of people and they all are employees and some of our employees for 20 or 30 years that, that they may be, that may be going away. Um, so to my mind, you know, we're very much on this, on this meta level of, you know, what does it even mean to be a company? What does it even mean to have an IT department? Um, you know, we spent 20 years feeling very comfortable with the idea that development and operations were very different things with very different work cycles and different tools and different kinds of people. And now we're kind of blowing that up. Um, 
And you know, a lot of people complain about DevOps because every time they say, well, what is DevOps? The answer is, well, it depends. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the reason for that is that we're understanding exactly what it means to blow up the separation between Dev and Ops as we go. Uh, it's so interesting. Um, now you're making me think of um, Sapiens by uh, the Yuval Harari. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his book. It's a Sapiens, a brief history of humankind. Uh, and a lot of what he talks about, among other things, is the idea of, uh, of shared stories or shared fictions, things that don't, don't actually exist uh, other than for the fact that we collectively believe in them, including things like religions and governments and concepts of, of God, but also uh, corporations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you're making an interesting point that we're, we're kind of tearing a lot of these things down at the moment without really having something to replace them. So to me, that just argues even more that we, we have to try some models out. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the model is that's going to replace uh, the corporation as a, or some sort of large entity that does business and, tra and transacts uh, business uh, with customers, but um, uh, I'm glad we're kind of digging in at this level in terms of the, 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 the sort of framework or model for actually doing the creation of product and the products and services. So getting back then to, to design ops, we could go on and on. We, we need to wrap up our, our podcast because I always try to keep them close to 20 minutes. We're just a little over that. What, what can you, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. What, what do you think we need to be thinking about? What's a question or two we should be asking ourselves right now as we try to try out different metaphors and different framings and, and bring some clarity uh, to what we're working on? Um, I would ask yourselves what you can learn from the open source movement. Um, because um, certainly within the IT world, it's, it's going beyond just being about building software and it's becoming a model for thinking about how to share and how to scale uh, knowledge and information and and products um, in a non-brittle way um, and organizations are starting to make this shift from saying okay we're going to mandate that everybody does works this way and uses this tool and you know applies this design system or what have you in favor of an approach where um, ideas have an ability to spread and be adopted in a more viral fashion. Um, so I think that's kind of a specific and somewhat long-winded way of, of suggesting that the design ops community challenge itself to sort of go beyond kind of reductionist, you know, complicated system product-oriented thinking. Then I'm going to ask you for a name. Let's, why don't we tag someone from that community that you think I should be talking to next? You know, Patrick Dubois is somebody from the DevOps community. He's actually the guy who coined the term DevOps. Mm -hmm. um, and he's one of the clearest, best, uh, most egoless thinkers in our area. Um, and, you know, he kind of thinks also beyond just Dev and Ops. And I think if you just want somebody with a lot of wisdom and no BS, um, I would encourage talking to him. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. 
thank you for uh, an egoless, no BS uh, conversation with me today. I really appreciated talking with you. Jeff Cessna, uh, I should mention uh, your website. Uh, people listening in might want to know more about you. It's engineering with an I at the beginning, engineering.it, engineering.it. Uh, Jeff, again, uh, author of the Raleigh book, Designing Delivery, Rethinking IT in the Digital Service Economy. Uh, great talking with you today. So just kind of mind-bending and mind-stretching. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, my pleasure. And um, thanks for the uh, mentioning the website. People can get more information about the book there, and they can also get more information about my workshops, uh, which are based on the book and really dig into this idea of how do you combine agility and user-centered usefulness in a scalable way? Fantastic. Thanks again, Jeff. Thank you.